Welcome to Talking Infrastructure, the podcast brought to you by global infrastructure consultancy, ACOM. In this series, we'll be discussing the hot topics, key projects, and innovations that are helping to solve some of the world's most complex infrastructure challenges. Hello and welcome to Talking Infrastructure. Today's podcast is focusing on collaboration, specifically within the rail industry. Why it's important, how does it drive efficiency and cost savings, and what benefits does it bring to passengers and rail users? To discuss the subject, I'm joined by three people with a wealth of experience in the matter. Firstly, joining us from Network Rail, we have Stuart Calvert, Wales and Western Capital Delivery Director. From Colas Rail, Deputy CEO Andre Rubacek. And from ACOM, Rail Structures and Ground Engineering Director Susan Evans. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us today. So first of all, before we really dive into the, the detail around the rail industry and, and what collaboration means for the industry, what does collaboration mean more broadly for you? Susan, starting off with you, collaboration. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's about achieving more than the sum of the parts. And and in fact, I'll quote our transportation MD because he is always saying one plus one plus one needs to be more than three. There we are, more than three. Mm. Stuart? We work in a really complex environment in rail, a particularly complex environment. And to do that, we, we've got to bring all sorts of skills and expertise together. And some of that's in the contracting world, in the investment world. And, and to do that, the only way you can really get efficient, effective delivery is for all those people who are bringing together the expertise and the skills to work seamlessly for a common goal. So collaboration for me is being really clear about what you're trying to achieve everyone understanding that and seamlessly working so you don't get distracted by unnecessary bureaucracy or unnecessary hurdles you're focused on the goal working together for a common goal andre is that what it's about for you common goal i can only agree one vision one set of objectives and people working together on a win-win-win principle everybody has to be uh behind all of that and um and that's collaboration yeah no. Okay, so that's that's good for talking about what what it what it should look like and mm. what the end goal is. But but how do you nurture that? How do you promote it, Stuart? Your thoughts on? Well, you've got to set out the, the real understanding what it is you're trying to achieve. You you've got to be clear. You know, you're not throwing this together. It, it, it takes really really good planning to understand. Look, the most effective way we're going to achieve the result we want is this model. Have the right people. Have the right teams together, the right expertise and skills, set out clearly that objective, you know, that vision. This is, this is what we're all working together. Establish common goals, things that will mean what success is. Bring the teams together and then say, this is the way we're going to work. You know, this, this is the expectation. We Excellent outcomes is what we're all about and we're not going to get distracted by things and be really focused on that and keep coming back to it and i think you know it's it's not something not something you can just throw together I, i've been involved in all sorts of models and collaborative models where people just said collaboration and then did nothing but collaboration mm -hmm. but other ones where you know that that effort that investment in time in energy is is there throughout and 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 things do work seamlessly. You know, it, it is a very different thing, but you have to be committed to doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. I, I, I really agree with that, Stuart. I think you're absolutely right because 
it feels like it should be something that naturally happens. But I think actually you have to set a framework at the beginning. At the beginning, it needs to be a little bit mechanistic until it becomes the culture, the habit, the way of working. So it is crucial to get that framework, that sort of structure in in the start. And then once you've been doing it for a while, it becomes more like breathing Everyone is not focused on who their employer is. They're focused on that common goal. And it, it starts with us. It yep. starts with the leadership yep. leadership team. As you quite rightly said, it, it's a journey. Yep. And we started five years ago, this uh, Southern Rail System Alliance. Yep. And, uh, and it was a journey. And um, we set the ways we work together. We set the objectives and vision. And then on an ongoing basis, we have to, uh, make sure that it's applied throughout the organization. And that's, uh, that's, uh, ongoing feast, really. Mm. Yeah. It, so, look, Andre, you, you mentioned it there, the, the, the South Wales Systems Alliance. There's no, it's no accident the three of you mm. are, are in this room together. ACOM, Colas, Network Rail form the South Wales Systems Alliance. Before we go any further, for those people who don't, aren't aware of it, Susan, can you mm. give us a little bit of background on the alliance and, Sure. So, so the alliance is a is a ten year framework um, started in twenty nineteen, and it's one of three rail alliances. So the, the the country is split into three horizontally, and so we're covering the south, and and it is as you say, Network Rail and Colas and Acom, and we're focused on working together. We've got clear f- goals, which is the you know the delivery of the passenger service for for the country, for the south of the country. And we have to work together on renewals and enhancements of the rail network in those geographies to benefit the passengers. So, I mean, in the preparation for this, a few of you talked about informal versus formal collaboration. Is an alliance, is that a, is that a formal collaboration? Is that is that how we would look at it? Yeah, you, you have to have a mixture of both. You know, you, you've got the formal mechanism, which goes back to when I started. You say you've got to set out, you've got to have the right contractual mechanism, you've got to have the right organisational uh, uh, arrangements, you've got to bring the right teams together. And that's the formal part of it. But then it, it, it becomes quite informal because mm. people form relationships, people have got personality, people have got expectations, they go through real life happening, real incidents happening. You know, one of the, one of the things I was going to say actually about the successful part of it, and this is where probably the informal comes in, things will be challenging, you know, th- there'll be challenging jobs, there will be things go wrong sometimes and and that's where the informal really comes in because everyone, you know, you you could revert to criticism and blame when when things get really difficult but that informal arrangement that people say hang on a minute you know mm-hmm. we're all focused here together and and you know maybe there was something went wrong how do we build on that how do we learn on that and that's the maturity so i think the real success is where you have that formal framework and then you 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 create that culture and behavior set that, that that's the informal bit that really makes it work you know and i've also seen i have seen success in traditional contractual relationships where actually they weren't set out for that, but the informal bit was so powerful mm. that you get through all those things. So it's, yeah. to me, it's a blend of blend of both. That's when you really get success. Uh, that's a great point because 
it, it's such a complex environment. We're facing such issues uh, uh, throughout the the works and, and and planning for works, and the environment of openness and honesty. And uh, we talk regardless the t-shirt, as you say, mm. uh, makes fixing things much easier, much easier, and making continuous improvement much easier. And that's that's what I find in this environment. Yeah, and, and I think inevitably in what we're doing, you've got the formal touch points. So you've got design reviews and 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 regular diarized meetings where where teams who are working on a particular uh, site or or particular piece of scope need to get together that's diarized. But in between that, we've got people co-located. We've got ACOM designers based in network rail offices. We've got network rail staff in ours. We, you know, we we spend time in Colas locations, etc. And it also means then people can just naturally get together. Mm. Engineers do like to collaborate. <clears throat> getting together around a model, used to be drawings in the old days, but it's models these days, getting together and actually discussing and looking at what's going on and understanding whether you're from the signaling perspective or the track or something to do with the overhead line equipment, how it all needs to work together. You, you have to be able to do that, but you get both the formal and the mm. informal and, and, and that's why it works well. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Now, it's of course important to us that we're creating the content and discussing the topics that matter to you. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please take a minute to fill out our survey, the link to which you can find in the show notes. You could even win a talking infrastructure mug for your troubles. Thank you for listening. Now back to the episode. We'll come on to the technology of yeah. that enables collaboration yeah. later on, but why is it important? Why does it matter? Well, to me, it matters. You know, we're, we're spending a huge amount of investment in the railway, whether it's renewal or enhancement or whatever. But we have a really complex rail environment in the UK. And we only do two things with that rail network. We can either run trains and serve passengers and serve freight, or we do work. And it's expensive. It's an expensive industry. So it's important for those two reasons. When we're not running trains and serving, the work we do has to be really efficient, really effective. We, we don't want the work we do to impact, uh, other than in a planned way on service. So we've got to be absolutely precise in what we deliver. But the draw on, um, Government funds, you know, mm -hmm. we're heavily government funded as a rail industry. So competing for those funds in that investment in a critical national infrastructure has got to be done wisely. We've got to think of every, it is our money. It's taxpayers' money fundamentally we're spending. So with those two considerations, it's important that we get the best value for money out of every penny, every pound we spend. But it's important that we have a complete service mindset at the back of our heads because we're not laying track we're not building platform we're providing a railway service mm -hmm. to benefit the country and and this is unquestionably the most effective way everyone has to understand you know whether you're a, a welder whether you're a surveyor whether you're a project manager why am i doing this you know so that the trains run on time and we deliver great service yeah yeah and, and how do you make everybody understand that. I mean, do you feel that there was a real culture, you know, particularly, well, let's focus on the alliance for the moment, but is there a culture that everyone understands why 
it needs to be done collaboratively, why that approach needs to be taken? Well, it, as I said, again, it goes straight from the top. Mm -hmm. uh, we regularly engage with the teams. Uh, uh, we meet uh, the teams on um, uh, ALT meetings. We, 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 we've got events where we basically uh, confirm the priorities, confirm the major outcomes we expect and, uh, and the ways we work together. And it goes straight uh, from the bottom and, and from the top, yeah. Absolutely, as as Andre said, you, you know, we walk the talk. Look, you've got the three of us in in the room today, you know, because we all believe it matters. We're all demonstrating as leaders that it matters, and and we demonstrate that to to our teams, and and we've got we've got thousands of miles of railway infrastructure delivering services for, I don't know, millions of passengers every day. I, I don't know what the stats are, but clearly a lot of people are reliant on trains every day to get mm. to work or to get to, you know, where, wherever their education is. It needs to be working successfully. And a lot of that infrastructure is quite old, goes back a couple of hundred years uh, in cases. And we also know we've got the growing challenges, things like climate adaptation, that, you know, the, the changes in the weather, the last couple of weeks where we've had some unseasonably hot weather, the impact on, on the track, the risk to the track from that, or the dangers of, you know, uh, flooding and, and, and problems that that causes. So there's, there's constant demands to work on the infrastructure, but also we have have to make sure it's working for people who need to use the services every day. And, and if I could add the, the impact on service, particularly with this alliance and with what we do with track, as I said, we can only do these two things. We can run trains or we can do work. Uh, and every week uh, as, as uh, a network rail region with the, the two routes, we've got Wales and Western route. Every week we've got two focuses, which is how well are we running those train services and how well have we done the work? And with this alliance, with the track, this is the one bit of the investment we do. Every day we are going in and taking possession of the railway line and either taking it apart or surveying it and then putting it back together so we can run service. But a lot of our other projects, we, we may do a lot of planning and offsite work and then we renew a bridge. But here, literally every day, we are having an intervention on the railway. Hmm in multiple places across yeah. the region. So that impact, if we got it wrong, would be so significant. So as every week as a, as a, a regional executive member, we sit there and we look at the train performance and how that's impacted. And we look at the engineering performance and, and predominantly driven by what we're doing in this alliance and how well we did that because it's important for the future because obviously we want new track and all those sort of things. Yeah. But it's important day in, day out to get it wrong. We, we affect the service the next day. Mm. It's that critical. Yeah. Are there any examples you can give me? There are a lot of people who will be listening to this podcast on the train into work. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we've all experienced disruption, obviously, that's part of everyday life. But are there any examples you can give people saying that this is actually how we drive collaboration? I, I've got a great recent one which we're building on. Um, one of the most iconic pieces of infrastructure we've got on our railway is the Seven Tunnel, you know, four right, and a half yeah. miles long, really significant, connects England and Wales, busy main line, busy freight. And um, renewing the track in there is 
you know, that's a tricky thing to mm -hmm. do. But by our teams having this mature relationship, we've worked out, actually, we can do that more efficiently and more effectively if we do more of it in one go. And we recently did a significant, I think it was two miles of track we renewed in one go in, in, in a couple of weeks. And it's the most efficient delivery we've got on the region. And people say, hang on a minute, you're in the middle of the seven tunnel complex mm -hmm. thing, and you did the most efficient job. And with that, and thinking that way, we're thinking, how can we do that elsewhere? So that was a great example of designers, asset managers, engineers, constructors, train planners, train operating companies, all coming together, say, this is the right way to do it. And that's a brilliant example. And we, we've, we've got lots more of those sort of things we're looking at. So that would be the one that I'd use because it's really fresh in my mind. Okay. I, I think because of the agility we've got, because of the, the ways of working we've developed that allow accelerating things, mm. that allow, um, uh, uh, you know, achieve things that would in standard contractual environment be impossible. I'll, I'll give another example. Uh, uh, we, we can pick up work later uh, in the process, like, uh, for instance, Oxford crossovers and through the streamlined process mm. of design and build, deliver those, those works. Uh, derailments, if there is a derailment, God forbid, mm -hmm. on, on the patch, uh, the teams will accelerate the works again and, and are the best for that to, to, to put the track in the, in the right shape again. So we've got plenty of examples of that. And again, because people have got best for project in mind, always best for project. And I think the other element we, we didn't talk about the benefits of collaboration is, is trust. So because you've built up the working relationship and particularly with a 10-year framework, 10 years working together, that, that's a long time to work together. You can build a lot of trust mm. in, in, in that time. You've got ability for people to develop, develop their careers because they have time on the project and they can grow and take on additional responsibility. And people then get confidence. They're confident to suggest improvements, suggest different ways of doing things. Sometimes we had a recent example where we actually said to Network Rail, we don't think we should do that design to that stage because you're not going to build it right now. So you're actually going to do work that in the future, someone else will take off the shelf, probably will want to change some of it at that stage. Makes no sense to go that far with the design now. We should stop at this earlier stage, pause it there. So we consciously said, don't give us this, this phase of work now. You know, we actually turned work away, which you don't think a private sector company is going to do, but because it was the better yeah. thing to do for the overall position. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our Talking Infrastructure Season 3 podcast. If you have a minute, we'd love it if you could leave a review as this helps us to reach other people and a much wider audience. Thank you for listening. Now back to the episode. I mean, you touched on it then. I, I talked to you before, before we started about... How do you maintain collaboration? Because on a short-term program or a short-term project, it's great to people get people excited and really get that mm. buzz going. But as you say, on a 10-year mm. agreement, how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep improving your approach? Well, 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 we we have constant uh, KPIs that, that that you know grow every year, and expectations of of efficiency, uh, expectations of how we can improve things. Uh, 
always there. And Stuart's example just now where he was talking about the seven tunnel, that, that's exciting. The bringing everyone together to actually deliver a, a renewal of, of a significant piece of track, critical national infrastructure, mm. as we said, but doing that in an innovative way, actually, that's exciting for people. Engineers like to do things yeah. that are innovative, that that they can see will make a difference, that they can then see they can apply elsewhere. I, I don't think it's difficult to actually um, excite and engage people. It's, you know, it's that commitment, that commitment to a long-term relationship, you know, is, is one of those vital things I talked about right at the start about how set up the framework that'll be successful. Because the vast majority of people come to work to do a good job. Yeah. So, and, and, and everyone being really engaged and saying, actually, I really enjoyed being part of that and I want to do more. And it gives you that time to invest and then say, let's get the extras, you know, get the bread and butter right, get the delivery right day in, day out. And then you can start to do some really exciting things, you know, bringing new ways of working, different techniques that will improve against those KPIs because you've got to be business focused. It absolutely have to be. And how can, how can you build on that? And, and people just get really engaged with that. Whereas the sort of short-term relationships, you know, get that bridge built or whatever, it, it you you can never really foster that. Of course, you do some really good jobs in those ways, but this it, it's that investment in time that people want to do better and understand what the outcome is. So it, it does become a you know self fulfilling thing. We, mm. We're here together. We all want to be really successful all the way through, and keep focused on your business outcomes. Keep focused yeah. on excellence and reward for that as well. For for this, there's a massive accountability of the leadership of the alliance, though, to bring on our own behalves to the alliance, the best capability our organization have got. Yeah. So for Colas, you know, worldwide uh, construction leader, we need to bring in the best we've got, ACOM the yeah. same. Yeah. And on the network side, uh, stewards representatives have to uh, obviously pull the strings within network rail, make, enable, stuff all the way up the chain, mm. starting from uh, specification, um, possession regime, et cetera, et cetera. So it is massive accountability on us to make it work. Yeah? Dare I ask, uh, are there times when you've seen collaboration not work and uh, or maybe been lacking and, and how have you corrected that? Um, without dropping anyone in it. In it. No, well, not not here, but I, I you know, I, I said earlier on, you know, you've got to have that commitment. It's got to be there. And there've been people who set it out and just said the word collaboration and thought it would just happen. Mm -hmm. And 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 there's two bits to it because I think where people get it wrong, where I've seen it go wrong, is you think it's sort of softening your management. Collaboration must mean well, that's a bit of a, that's a bit more soft, a bit more, you know, a bit more engaging. But it's actually, there's more discipline, you know, and it goes back to that formal, informal thing uh, that, that a real great collaboration actually has really strict discipline. It is far more rigorous in the discipline of doing things right, because then you can build the icing on top. So where I have seen it go wrong, uh, it, it's where that that's been confused. Confusing collaboration with weak control or weak mm -hmm. management it is absolutely not. Far more discipline, mm -hmm. far more control, mm -hmm. far more um, non-acceptance of failure because yeah. you know you've got that that really strong uh, cultural uh, side to it that, that works. So, yeah, I have seen them go wrong, but it's normally because they've been set up wrong or, or they've not understood it is really disciplined and really focused as well. Or 
it's unclear what exactly it is you're trying to achieve. You know, those are the examples that I would have. We're obviously talking primarily about collaboration in the rail industry, but any fantastic examples around the Seven Tunnel? What can other industries learn? Susan, obviously, ACOM will work across many, many industries. Yes. What do colleagues at ACOM learn from from your experiences, the team experiences? Oh gosh, that's that's a hard one. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Sorry, I'm struggling I've, to. I've dropped you in here with that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm struggling to immediately think um, of well. I, Collaboration goes wider than the rail team, mm. I suppose, is the first thing I would say. You, you know, perhaps not so much on on this alliance, um, but in in other pieces of work, we need to bring in our colleagues from from the environment team. Um, we might be bringing in colleagues from architecture if we're focused on uh, a, a station design, for example. You require architects and engineers to work together. And and I actually heard an example yesterday of somebody talking about um, how. Engineers like structure and, and 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 process, and architects want freedom. Mm-hmm. So when you bring those two together, you sometimes have a bit of a clash of 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 sort of style and and almost personality, I suppose. And and you have to find ways to make that work again to deliver whatever the outcome might be, whether it is a station or or, or something else. So I think. Again, it's working on projects. It's having that common goal. Whatever that common goal might might be, and so it does does spread to to other disciplines, to people who might not always be working on rail projects, but will spend some of their time on rail projects. Uh, it's an interesting point. Uh, I f- I find the uh, UK rail uh, a real mature market mm. because you can see that we've learned the hard way, yeah. and and I think network rail leading the right way through collaboration going forward. I think uh, be, be working for a uh, massive company, I've got lots of requests from my colleagues across the world about how it works and I've got people coming in and trying to understand and influence the market in the same way, um, you know, in, in terms of ha- ways of working. Mm-hmm. So uh, credit to the uh, UK rail industry, to be fair. And, and, and actually, you know, we're obviously a, an arm's length body of the government mm. and um, working in government circles. Uh, you know, we, we, we've we been running um, a thing called the Speed Initiative, which is looking at how we can do projects quicker yeah. uh, and more efficiently. And we had some really great examples. We've got quite a few in Wales and Western where we've embraced that, which is basically collabor- you know, it's collaboration, collaborative approach for exceptional outcomes. And so we, we have... Um, we share that uh, information across government departments. We've provided case studies to highways, to other other government departments. So there's a lot of learning. We we love taking learning from other sectors. You know mm. that's why it's important we work with people like Coles and Acom so we can get yeah. expertise yeah. from elsewhere. But we also love sharing the information in other areas where where we can demonstrate what we've done provides a real benefit. And that and that's a that's a real rich vein for us. You know that drawing in as much knowledge as we can, but also sharing best practice where we've got across all government departments where there's expenditure as well. So that loads of learning that we 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 try and share both ways. A, a fantastic example of this maturity and this is that this is the right way to go is is COVID. Uh, during COVID, mm. everything gone to halt, stopped. Mm-hmm. 
we got together and continued working, established measures and made impossible possible. That's a fantastic example where the whole world was really watching. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's true. It's true. And and you're right, Andre. You talked about um, the global perspective and and looking to the UK as a mature market. We we get clients in in places as far afield as Australia, but a bit closer to home, places like Ireland or Sweden, uh, asking about alliancing. What's your experiences of of alliancing? How do what what is an alliance? How does it work? What are the benefits? So there are people looking from outside UK PLC, peering in and saying, what have they got here? Yeah. Mm. Want more insights from infrastructure industry experts? Check out our latest Future of Infrastructure Global Research Report. In it, we explore one of the most complex, important shifts happening across the world today, the energy transition and what it means for you. We surveyed nearly 850 senior executives and interviewed public and private sector leaders to find practical, profitable, predictable, and people-centric pathways to net zero. To explore the research, please visit infrastructure.aecom.com. Thank you for listening. Now back to the episode. You touched on it earlier, talking about the technology and the way that that's changed and Andre talking about where we've gone from from COVID and the and how we're I think we're embracing technology more than ever now and we're accelerating that delivery of new technology, new innovation. How is technology enabling collaboration now and, and perhaps where is it going in the future? Well, there's a, there's a great example. One of the, one of the things we have to use in everything is 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 data and knowledge. Yeah. Um, an efficient use of data and knowledge that, that we gain either through survey to be able to design things or in performance and so on. Uh, and, and in fact, one of the speed project examples we gave is we give is where we we said we've already got a lot of this data and we we can share and collaborate on the use of data wherever it's come from to better effect. So that that's a really basic, simple example, but that ability to invest in time means you know we're not doing a one-off job here we we've got time to say actually is there a better way we can serve we we use drones extensively we use remote gathering of information extensively we think there's a lot more we can do with that and we want to press on that but then in the construction side as well you know the use of sophisticated plant or different materials or off-site manufacturer or wherever we can you know the, the, the rail uh track work that we do is probably one of the more advanced because we've tended to have longer term relationships I, I I think we're we're scratching at the surface of the possibility, and and to really drive those exceptional results, there's so much more we can get, and that's probably an area where other sectors, some sectors, are are much more advanced that we want to bring in. So we're there. Mm-hmm. We do a lot. There's a lot more we can do. I agree. We have to challenge ourselves. We have to challenge the standards. Mm-hmm. So we work smarter and bring new technologies in. Uh, there are some very good examples, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, drive towards efficiency and everything, we, we need to do more, yeah. A- absolutely. There's all sorts of reasons why technology is important. It, firstly, from a safety point of view, that we're always talking about getting boots off the ballast. So avoiding having human beings on the railway as much as possible. So Stuart talked about surveying. The more surveying we can do using technology mm. rather than human beings, 
massive advantage from safety and an efficiency point of view. So that that's easier to do. Try things. They might not always work, but in a 10-year framework, you've got you've got the scope, you've got the time you've got the ability to try things and some will work and some won't. Also, I think because you've got that collaborative relationship and we talked about you've built that, you've got the trust, you get innovation. You get people saying, surely there's a better way of doing this. Can't we try this? Can't we try that? All sorts of examples throughout the alliance. Anything from the 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 the, the, the tags you can wear on your helmet when you're out on site that will buzz if there's moving plant in your vicinity so that you're made more aware of that. That's a simple example. Um, composite, recycled composite sleepers so that you're reducing the carbon content is, is, is another one. Looking at uh, battery powered tools, looking at hydrogen, hydrogen fuel yeah. for, for, for plant and equipment. There's, yeah, there's a list of long as your arm, long as your arm. But I also agree with what Andre said that um, I, I come from an aerospace background before I came into rail. And, and I think use of, of lean technology and lean processes, or not technology, lean processes, mm -hmm. sorry, is, is something that I think the rail sector could do more of and could benefit more from. But, you know, that's that takes time and it, it needs that space that doesn't always exist, but does in a 10-year framework. But again, in, in in the environment we work in, in a collaborative environment, we can challenge. Yeah. There is no unreasonable responses coming yeah. back to you. People focused on one goal, and mm. uh, it's an easier environment for accelerating things like this. Yeah, and it's that word goal keeps coming up again and again, and that seems to me to be mm. the a real focus for this, allowing people to understand where they need to be. So there are those opportunities to to bring ideas and, and know that they're while well, they might be deviating slightly off of the original plan, as long as they get to the end goal, it's it, you know, it, it creates that safe environment, I suppose. It it does. And remember the end goal is always passenger service. Yeah. Uh, you know, on time passenger service. That's that's always the goal. But yeah, that's very clear to everybody. Great. Now, before we start to, to wind up, because I do want to release you so you can go and continue to drive collaboration in the rail industry. Um, for, for people listening to this today, who might not necessarily be in the rail industry or be in all sorts of walks of life, um, what are the sort of practical tips that people can take from this, listening to this podcast around if they want to uh, drive or accelerate uh, collaboration in their in their place of work or even maybe at home? Start by understanding what it is you're trying to achieve. You know, if you if you be absolutely clear, you know, that, that single principle, we need to achieve this. And then if you're in a complex world and you say, right, okay, don't think you can just throw it together and, 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 and it will happen. You've got to think of the makeup of the parties that are going to be collaborating, that you need to collaborate. Then set that structural model. So whether it's a contract model, whether it's a, a, a written agreement as to how we behave, whatever, you know, if, it, if it's not a contract world. And then be clear to everybody and share it across the teams. We're doing this for these reasons. This is what success looks like. And constantly keep checking. Come on. The beginnings are challenging yeah. because we're changing behaviors. So be strong and persist. That's my um strong that's my advice persist. because Good. at the end of the at the end of all of that is um, 
great performing organization yeah great and 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 leaders obviously we have to we have to lead from the front and then we have to make sure everyone else is 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 behaving in the same way and and that's a really important point actually because if it is a changed uh world from what people are used to yeah people will be nervous, you know, because yeah. quite often you're saying, we want you to work in a very different way to the way you've worked. Mm. We trust you to do that. You've got our support to do that. This is what's important to us. And as long as you do, you know, you, you're focused on what's important. You've, we've got your back as leaders. You know, we know things will go wrong. We know things, you, but we will support you as long as you approach them in that way that resolves it for the benefit. And and a lot of people are looking for that. I'm going through a major program of, of change across all the other areas that we're working in, in Wales and Western, not just the track side. And it's, you've got to give a huge amount of trust as a leader, but you've also got to be clear what the accountability you expect people to take. And that leadership piece is vitally important because people need to know they're in a safe place where they they can take risks and i'm not talking safety risks at all you know take risks in how they've done things and that you will support them in that the leadership bit is vital fantastic great place to end things today Stuart, andre susan thank you so much for joining us today i think it's been a really interesting chat and i think there's some really interesting takeaways for people from who are working in the rail industry and beyond from our conversation today so so thank you very much now if you enjoyed this podcast then please subscribe leave a review and of course tell your friends and colleagues to do the same i'll be back soon with another episode of talking infrastructure until then take care and goodbye